Welcome to the Forest Educator Podcast. I'm Ricardo Sierra. I'm really excited, as always. I say that every interview because I always am. It's truthful. This is the Forest Educator Podcast, and I'm with Daria Quinville and Jeffrey Kahn's. And they run a really awesome wilderness school that's called Finding Polaris Wilderness Community. And they are in Northern Ontario and do programs in and around Sudbury as well, I think. So welcome to the Forest Educator. Hi. Hey. Yeah. So so Canada is my older brother over there on the other side of the hill from us because I'm in upstate New York. And often I think of Canada every time the wind shifts from the north and it starts getting really cold. So I always say, thanks, Canada. But so has it been a cold winter for you or how is it up where you are? What's the climate up there? No, we had a cold snap, I would say, at the beginning of when winter really set in. And I'd say beginning of January, we had yeah. the kind of minus 30 for about a week. And then we've had the probably most mild winter I've ever seen. This wow. is it's spring weather right now for where we are, like that's, March, April. That's what we have too today, right? So, yeah, it's it's scary if you run. Do you run uh, winter survival programs and things like that? Like any kind of winter skills? Right now, we haven't, and we also have a newborn, <laughs> a really little five oh, yeah, month nice. old. So yeah, this winter we're mo- yeah we've been mostly just doing back end stuff, planning our new season our green season this year, but definitely in the future, we love winter stuff. In Northern Ontario, winter is such a beautiful season. Mm -hmm. If you know how to interact with the landscape and stay warm and also just know a baseline of skills in that respect. So yeah, future, yes. (laughs) It it ruined my possible Quincy making e-course slash video series I was really excited to record, but... Yeah, it really does mess with us when we're like in a survival educator kind of thing. And you're like, oh, it'll, I'm sure it'll be at least six inches of snow in February or or whatever. And like right now, I think we don't have any snow on the ground here at all. So oh, wow. it's tough. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your school and how you got started. What who, what what ages do you work with? Do you work with students or adults or yeah, I'm. I have a thousand questions, so I'm just gonna <laughs> let you go for it, Erin. Okay, I can start. I I founded the nonprofit three years ago, and it's a nonprofit. And oh. I made a lot of mistakes along the way. I was living at the time when I founded Finding Polaris in a hundred square foot bunkie off the land, no running water, no internet connection, wow. and. So I was really the embodiment of my teachings at the time, but in at the same regards, it was the business side of things was not progressing. I had students, they were very few in numbers, so really great relationships built and really great experiences. I was running month-long programs at the time, so essentially people were just coming and living with me where I was living, and I really enjoyed that. But then visions shift and things shift and I wanted to meet more people. And yeah, when you're chopping wood, carrying water and then trying to run a business, it's challenging. But also, I believe it is important to have those experiences 
because then we can teach from a place of, yeah, of not feeling like hypocrites, like we've done the work to get yeah. here. Yeah. And then, yeah. So our, I guess our courses changed over the years as well. We, we truly believe in-person events. We want people to come experience these teachings in person. So we really focus on that. That ranges from, you know, day programs. Like this year, for example, we have a bird language day, an animal tracking day, a rewilding day. We do free day events in our communities to, again, break some barriers of entry. And those ones are in the city. So it's, again, very accessible. And then some of our longer courses, uh, we have a walkabout. We also have a survival skills weekend and then um, a vision quest, a 10 day vision quest. And yeah, those are for people who want to go a little bit deeper. We go outside the city for that in some pretty remote lens. Yeah, where there's no service and up in Northern Ontario, people call it like the bush. So we go deep into the bush to, for those <laughs> programs. And yeah, so we've learned over the years to create this scale of opportunities for people to meet people where they're at, still doing what we love, but at different intensities to, yeah, just meet different levels and entry points. And last year, actually, while I was pregnant, we decided because we were receiving a lot of feedback of people who wanted to learn skills from us and couldn't make it in person. And so we actually did launch an e-course line um, yeah, which we really loved. It, it's great. It's a great way. It's a tool for people who might be far away from us and still want to learn what we're offering. And it's also just a taste. It's an inspiration. And then the hopes is for those e-courses to then lead to the in-person experiences. Sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And then I guess, so Daria has worked with families in the past when she was living off the land. She was helping with some families, almost live-in babysitter or people were coming to her and in the room, the kind of semi-remote area she was in, she was able to like have kids and do that type of stuff. But um, we're focused right now on the adult market, you would say. We're hoping to expand eventually to doing more kids programs, but I, I think figuring it out. Teens and kids, definitely what we're looking forward to, but managing the adults and the more intense skills stuff right now. And uh, yeah, pl planning out and executing the child one is a little more difficult. So getting more people on board that can help with a, a group of children. Yeah, there's a lot of logistics around taking care of children, especially if it's any kind of overnight program. There's a lot of details mm -hmm. and a lot of responsibility and a lot of moving parts. So it's like running a Broadway show or something like theater or something. <laughs> it's really a big deal, right? You're like, okay, cue breakfast. Okay, boom, flip napping. Let's go, whatever. Yeah, more hands on deck is yeah. better with a bunch of kids running around. Yeah, I've I've tried doing them by myself or with just one or two helpers. And it definitely, it's nice to have a team of six or seven people. And on the other side of it, if they're not trained, then it's like having, being by yourself with, with the children and six other kids who are older. Yeah, it is a, it's a big job. That's for sure. It's much easier to do, to deal with adults because they, yeah, they can be a little more self-sufficient in some ways and you can leave them alone. 
things like yeah. that. Yeah. And also I think that ties into our philosophy. Like we really actually prefer the longer term programs because mm -hmm. we both don't like the, oh, come for a few hours and then you go home and you just do the exact same thing. And it takes time. It truly takes time for people to tune down their nervous systems to really relax, to also get to know other participants and build trust in the, just the group setting. And then if you're spending one, two, three, 10 nights, that's where the real magic happens. Long-term, our goal is to actually only have immersions, like really big events and less of the day stuff because we love the day stuff, but it's very superficial of what you can accomplish and tying it, that into our values of our what we're calling our wilderness community, it's far beyond just, oh, we teach friction fire. We teach you how to drink wild water. It's a lifestyle. So wherever we are, Jeff and I are drinking spring water, 100%. And it's not just this thing that we do on the weekend or during our courses and then go back to a lifestyle where we're not paying attention to our food and we're not going outside or we're staring at our screens all day or not moving our bodies and through primal patterns, like wherever our external environment is, we're still that embodiment. It just, it does look different. Yeah, it does. hundred percent. Yeah. It's a yeah. lot of work, right? It's a oh, lot of work sure. to, do that, to live that way. 100%. And I was going to add in, we were at a, at the farmer's market in Sudbury this year and so many parents show interest, but we said, we're doing adult programs. And I'd say, oh, is he, I'd love my kids in this stuff. And I say, that's great. But we want to brainwash the adults first. That way you actually change your lifestyle because that's what's really going to affect the kids. Because if the kids come for, with us for a day or a weekend, they're going back to their home and their tablets. But if we can brainwash, for lack of a better term, if we can uh, change the adults mindset and um perspectives and and lifestyles to reflect what we're doing then the kids are automatically involved so if we get people hiking more picking wild foods yeah the kids are automatically ingrained in that rather than taking the kid out of their everyday experience and then oh they had this one fun time and then they go back to whatever the parents were doing before it's interesting that there's some places where I talk to a lot of teachers who are working in forest schools, preschools with children, and they're, they're doing three hours a day or four hours a day with the children. And then they go back to their family in whatever that, however that looks. And then there there's teachers that are trying to bring nature just to bring a class of students outside, just even once in a school year to do a lesson outside is a big deal for a lot of these, because they're just trying to inter introduce them at these steps. And some people really like to be on that cutting edge. They don't mind being there, interacting with public school officials, like, you know, fighting traffic, all the stuff. And then at the same time, there are people like you who are like on the other side, like, you know what I mean? There's a spectrum and you're on the other side of it going like, all right, here's a whole lifestyle that you can begin to develop. Should you go through those stages and decide, we want to live like this. So that's, it is, it's pretty remarkable because I know for a fact how much work it is. So it's, I'm impressed. I'm impressed with both of you. Yeah. People think we're <laughs> a little nutty sometimes because it does take, like you said, it takes more energy. So yeah, we could easily just drink the tap water and 
there's a lot of things like even right now with our five month five month old I've been potty training her since birth essentially and yeah that takes a lot more time but I'm letting her go into her instincts as a mammal as we all are and I'm taking the time right now so that she doesn't have to poo or pee in a diaper and can I I'm curious to see how that will evolve over time and how that will be because it's our first child but yeah how for us how we do anything is how we do everything and so we're just rooted in our interactions with the natural world and that same philosophy is is just in the rest of our lifestyle and that's how we like to teach i think it breaks down barriers for people as well that you could see us we live in a house now and people can talk to us and we seem like normal people but it <laughs> seem like it yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we put a good facade on but if mm -hmm. if people can't see that it's doable and so we we'll, we'll probably get into it after but me and daria had very different paths and then coming into the city to say, hey, yeah, this isn't just uh, live off the land. You need to quit your job. Like, no, this is a lifestyle that's available to you. And you don't need to adopt all the principles. But if we can make it realistic for people, because the reality is if, if someone just starts one year and they've got one plant they've identified or one animal they've got their eye on all year, that's a success. And then mm -hmm. you multiply that over thousands of people or multiple generations. And then we've all done our job. And just like with what you're doing with your podcast, it's if we can just, one of my mentors says, if you can improve by 1% every day, sometimes we like to shuck that off and see, oh, okay, oh, I'm just gonna do this little thing every day, maybe it's 10 minutes. But now if that's 1%, now you're 100% better in 100 days. And it might yeah. seem minuscule at first, but if we're all doing 1% and now we've multiplied that through all the teachers that you've interviewed and all the students that we've had and all their students, now we've got a whole new world that I think we're all working toward. Yes. Yeah, that's really true. And I think you're really right. So I'm curious about um, your, there's a balance always when you're running like a wilderness school, you're like, part of your job is, oh, I'm going to, we're going to teach, we're going to educate, we're going to interact with people. And then at the same time, you're also like, okay, we need to make a living. We need to have, we need to bring in enough income to keep the lights on and, you know, Wi-Fi, everything. And then on top of that, there's that longing to just be like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to spend seven days in a row in the forest or 10 days or a month or something. And I don't, most people in the world don't know that pull of that, like what that's to be loving teaching wishing you were in the woods and also trying to pay her bills like it's a it's really a struggle it's probably <laughs> like a lot of artists so too i would imagine yeah. is that what's it like for you i have a great example of a shift in perspective around that topic because when i first started this nonprofit, i started it donation based and mm -hmm. people were coming to live with me for months at a time and they could just pay me whatever and I learned very quickly that model does not work. <laughs> and yeah. it was a very good lesson for me. And yeah, I think every year I've been learning more and now really stepping into if we want this to be abundant, both financially and actually our ability to be of greater service to people, we need to exchange value through this currency we call money. And 
we're offering a lot. Again, going back to what I said, we have this scale of offerings. So this also meets people financially where they're at. But we've come to a place, especially now with the newborn, and it's very important for our time, Jeff and I's time, to be valued. And when we are, let's just say, financially stable and set, then we actually show up fuller and we can offer more rather than just like scraping by. And also, if you're trying to run a business and you're living in the woods like we were, it's really hard to do outreach. (laughs) When I met Daria... I the the story I kept telling her I'm like you've got the world's greatest business that no one's ever heard about and I said you're not affecting any change and no. I can speak to the the mindset because Daria comes from more of a traditional wilderness skills training background where I came from more of a holistic living natural health aspect my all my stuff came from health troubles as a child to changing my nutrition and, and everything to do with health and well-being along that side of things and meeting all these people in my city and across the world, making all these connections and like that, the, the disgust of money that people had. And I think that you said you didn't want to get controversial, but I think sure. that's something that is implanted in us. I don't know from who or where, or if it's a cultural taboo thing, or if it's just the, the spiritual, the more spiritual side of our movements, money. You people are like, oh, I don't want to do that. But then you realize, like that Gary said, it's that a currency. Like, it's just a river has a current. That's what moves us through things. And I, I see she was like, oh, I do the programs on donation base. I'm like, I've done enough listening and education and the health side of things. I'm like, oh yeah, how'd that turn out? Let me guess. I'll tell you and you tell me if I'm right or wrong. And she's, yeah, I'm like, yeah, because you're not a travel. Unfortunately, in the West, our our value of things is different. So people aren't going to value it if it's for free. It's a classic. I've got this amazing ebook and I give it away for free and nobody reads it. Yes. And mm-hmm. so then we got more into a mindset of, okay, how can we make this attainable? And I was the weekend warrior, whereas Daria was more of the, like the traveler, the doing all the experiences. And I was the, okay, I work Monday to Friday and here comes a weekend and let's do something crazy. Let's hike this mountain. Let's like canoe these rapids. Let's get it all in in 48 hours and we're back to work on Monday. So I I brought the idea to her, okay, let's make it attainable, like 10 days within, they only have to take five days off. And then that kind of, was the snowball of moving more toward a business mindset. And I don't know if you want me to keep rambling, but this year has definitely been a a very large business training, really like nose to the grindstone doing specifically learning business. Like I would say study like an -hmm. education, not just a, I'm going to listen to this business podcast. No, it's been like a, Oh wow. I think we know business a bit now. (laughs) Yeah. It's like tracking or fire making or anything else. If you want to be good at whatever, right? If you want to be good at wild foods, you've got to study and you've got to learn and you've got to really get to know those plants and know all your details or you're going to be in trouble. And I think like that, the money aspect and how things work, it's something that is challenging because you go, oh, in the wilderness, there's no money. Therefore, it's bad. Or maybe there's a lot of different ways that people think about it. But I and think you have that you're right. What's that? I said, you, and you have to fail. Yeah. You got to get the bumps on your bottom to 
know what doesn't feel good. And yeah, I think that ties into a piece that we go to oftentimes when we're deciphering decisions and we ask ourselves, okay, what are the results? If our goal is to be successful, to have a lot of people showing up for our programs, to impact change, to inspire people. Well, when I was doing it this way, the results were that, sad to say, I actually wasn't getting good outreach. I wasn't meeting people. The money wasn't coming in. Whereas now it's a lot different because we've shifted our systems or the yeah. way that we're we're choosing to prioritize our time to find the right people to yeah and make connections and it's far more fulfilling and i would say kudos to you because i think for both of us something of mentors so not seeing something that left a good taste in your mouth whether it's social media business whatever it is to make the wilderness skills business work if you don't see someone modeling what you want to do because you might see a person doing let's use gyms for example and they might have great results and you like everything else about it but you don't like the marketing or you don't like these things so if you're not seeing someone replicate it or able to model it yourself because i think we're both victims of that where it's I've seen courses and oh, that's just gross. Oh, I don't really want to do that. It's just, it's hollow. It's not actually meaningful. And then you find business people out there and you're like, this is just a scummy salesman. So we were lucky this past year that we found someone who had integrity and kind of checked all the boxes for business mentorship and education that it was like, oh, this is what business is about. This is what selling is about or what marketing about it doesn't have to feel dirty doesn't have to feel gross because we're just trying to reach the people who desire this anyway instead of feeling like oh we gotta put this gross mask or costume on to play the sale let me get on social media and point at the captions and do the things that like when we're on social media we're like dance yeah like we're gagging ice water challenge yeah yeah i totally hear you yeah so i think this year for us was a big wake-up call we found the right business mentor who had courses that we could do online where he checked all the boxes and he had an ethos about him that we we could feel proud to say hey ricardo you should check this guy out because he believes in might not have all the same beliefs we do but he believes in like sustainable future good food for people getting outside having your health, having friendship. It wasn't just a, like, this is how you 10x your growth and get a million dollars. No, it was like, yeah. hey, yeah. let's get rich with a purpose and by helping out others. Mm-hmm. Right, that's true. It's been interesting because as the wilderness movement or wilderness education movement has grown, it's grown in parallel with like the online coaching prosperity or what they call manifesting coaches and sort of thing. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times it feels like they're preying on people who are broke and really wanting to get wealthy. And so then they get sucked into this thing. And then all of a sudden they're spit out nine months later and they're they're They've been wrung dry of all their cash and they don't have anything of value because they probably shouldn't have even been in the program because they don't have the difference between like sometimes people who go through that and people like yourselves that you actually have something of value that is unique and 
and special and can really change people's lives. And, mm -hmm. and I see that then, but you do need support in doing that. And it really isn't just a cookie cutter approach. Like you really need someone who's going to take the time to get to know what you're doing and all that. It can and be it, tricky. Yeah. And if you're, if you're where I've been a lot of my adult life so far is if you're in the nine to five grind, it's easy to prey on the pain of yeah. the, the balancing act of, like you said, Oh God, I just wish, please let me, be able to make money doing X, Y, Z so I can get away from this thing that I my the passion's gone, the luster is no longer there. It's soul sucking. And then someone comes to with the solution for your pain of, oh, take my course. And yeah, you could be you could be doing X, Y, Z outside and six figures. But this, <laughs> yeah. And this is a great example of something we talk about. It's if you don't integrate any of those teachings, you're never going to be the embodiment and people are. So it doesn't matter. You could take all the e-courses in the world, but if you don't have the practice of integrating knowledge, trying it out for yourself, if you're too scared to make mistakes that you don't even try, yeah, you'll never get to those goals. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's really, it's real. It's there's a big difference between hearing about it, like you said, or taking a class that's online, and then there's a big difference between actually doing the work. And yeah, it, yeah it's a really a challenge and. I, I give you all the credit in the world for really seeking all the different tools that you can, because I know lots of people that are wilderness people that are just like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to have a mailing list. I don't want to have That's me. Thing. That was me. <laughs> and like, I, I know a really great herbalist, one of, one of the oldest herbalists in the country. And he was asking me something, it was like six years ago. And he said, Hey, Ricardo, how, how is it that you're making, making things work? And and I said, yeah, get your email list and send out your information or whatever. You got to do it regularly. And he was like, oh, I never did that. And I was like, you're joking, right? Literally over the last 10 years, he's probably been in front of like 10,000 people. And I'm just like, man. <laughs> and he was like, but just was too much. And I, I didn't want to do it. And I was like, whatever you do right now, man, start getting collecting those emails because that's the only way you can actually communicate with people. When you have a new program, those are the people that want, when they say they want to be on your email list, they want to hear from you. You're not being sleazy when they want to. So, but I don't think he really listened to me and I'm just like, okay, it is what it is, but we don't have all of that. We don't have, we can just live by example and just go, all right, we got to pay our bills and we don't want to have to go work at some other job to keep it going mm -hmm. if we don't have to. Yeah. And I think a big piece for us is we believe in what we're doing. Yeah. It doesn't feel sleazy to offer an opportunity where people can really grow and transform and learn and have like deep connection to other people, to nature. That doesn't feel sleazy. I don't feel like I'm trying to no, convince people to come at all. And I think that that is why we in myself, I noticed that I was very stubborn. I was that person that was like, I want to be able to have my phone on airplane mode. I'm living in the woods by myself. I don't want to do that. And I was questioning whether or not it was aligned with my values and my ethics a lot of the time. And yeah. we're still navigating that line every day. And I think holding those questions is great. But for us, like we believe in our offerings and we're trying to attract the people who want to say yes. So yeah, we're not trying to convince anyone we're just yeah. trying to find the right people and we love what we do and the feedback from our programs are great and with that it's why would we stop doing this we want to have better outreach mm -hmm. stronger yeah. connections 
more abundance. So yeah, maybe in two, three years we can do youth programs and I think that, that I think the paradox and I think this might sting for some and be an aha for others, but for people who can do the hardcore, Daria is one of them. When I met her, I laugh. I'd say she's my apocalypse unicorn. We met during COVID and I it's she can suffer. And I think in the skills, wilderness, survival, uh, education, you can suffer in that these people can suffer. I can put myself through grueling pain. I've done martial arts and MMA and I love it, but people don't realize it's like telling some of these educators be like, oh, you're just afraid of the hard thing because you're going to hop on and now you're a newbie and it's going to suck and building an email list is going to suck. <laughs> Or Not, and I don't want to make it seem yeah. terrible. No, no. It's going to suck to start from the beginning and realizing it's, yeah, you're just moving toward away from that pain of having to do all this stuff and sitting in the comfort. And it's hard for people to understand who are like, oh, I can deal with pain. I can deal with discomfort. Watch me. And it's, oh, I bet you can. But now this is going to yeah. be like soul slash mental mind discomfort. That's, oh God, get me off my laptop. Right. So we, we used to joke that I was essentially the hermit archetype. I was playing yeah. that role. I was playing that, yeah, that archetype, that tarot card. And it for me, my growth was actually breaking free from that pattern. Yeah. But that hermit archetype played a wonderful role in my life. I had so much solitude, so much closeness. Uh, I was so close to the land that I was living. I was so comfortable being alone. And yeah, I love those days of my life. And I realized the only constant is change. We're all adapting. And now life is bringing me to this new archetype. And part of that was breaking free of my fear of even just recording a video to share with people. And yeah. the first few we did were so awkward. It's hard. And it's then, painful. It's painful. It's really hard. It's that's not yeah. even it's harder than making a fire without matches. I'm telling you. Exactly. Right? <laughs> Way harder. Yeah. You know? And also being vulnerable, showing people who you truly are, speaking what you value at a mass scale, it's very vulnerable. And so there's some other great work to do. Gratitude is one practice, but what about working with our dark sides that keep us small? Like we're possible of so much. And again, like we can all try it out. And if I tried it out and it didn't feel good, then I would stop. Again, what are the results? If it was like really painful for me to be sure. this role, then I wouldn't continue. But it's actually been the opposite, like breaking through that hermit archetype for myself. Yeah, has been just a wonderful path of, of more connection, truly. I'd like to give a quote from our men our business mentor. He talked about buying a vehicle. He's buying a new car. And he, he had seen this. He was buying a luxury car and it was a Lamborghini. And the, the salesman said, he's chatting him up about this Lamborghini as he's buying his this other car for one of his staff members. And he says, oh, does it have warranty? He says, no, it's as is. And then just keeps talking all smoothly. And he said, like, when he went back home, wow, like for a second, I almost considered not having a warranty is a good thing because he was so smooth. And then he relays this sage advice of when people get a car, they think they get a deal. But you never get a deal when you buy a car. And he said, why? He said, because a salesman sells a car 100 times a day. You only buy a car every couple of years. And that's the same way it is in business or recording the videos or doing the email list. It's yeah, you put in the reps and then it's going to become easier. And like with the recording yes. the video, like 
we were both the, oh, don't want to be vain and have vanity and like get in the video and you're like, oh, this is awkward. And oh, hey, hi. Uh. And then, but then eventually you're able to actually get the point across that you want to get the, to, to communicate with your audience or who you're trying to reach to. And it can be easy when we're doing it in person in a, in a retreat, but to be on the video and, and have that same passion and bring the same charisma, it's, yeah, it's challenging. And it's interesting too, because like some people don't really don't like being on video. Like they just get really uncomfortable and they just can't get over that barrier sometimes. But then there's audio right now. Everybody's listening to this podcast and it's not. And so they're just getting the audio part and not seeing, we're not on video and other people are really good at writing and other people are good at other things. For example, I know people who have a wilderness, wilderness knowledge and they live off the land and they've written books. And they have newsletters that they write and they take good pictures, but they're really not on video, but they, they have like very exclusive clientele and they charge a lot for what they do. So they do, oh, I only do two programs a year and I make all my money during that time. And the rest of the time, they're just in their little cabin, wildcrafting or whatever. And that's a perfectly good model. If you can build it, you don't have to all recreate everything but we just can find the, the right niche where like animals finding the right place in the ecosystem i think yeah. that's what makes this space so difficult i think is because that person might have had to fail a lot before they found that was their yes. piece and i think that's what we went through it's we love the way we run our retreats and what we do and who we are as people and what that brings forward and then like finding okay what's going to work with us like with the social media, with the internet, with outreach, you know, like we're doing farmer's market. Like, this is not really us. Like, it's just, it's shallow. It's a 10 second. Hey, this is what yeah. we do. You're trying to give like a spiel really quick to get their attention. But it's like, this is not us. But if you came and talked to us at one of our free events for an hour, mm -hmm. you're hooked. Yeah. Whereas like that less intimate, just not for us. Yeah. Those are always a, a grind I find. They're really tiring. We do. We used to do festivals a lot. Yeah. And, and the way we would do festivals, we would have a portable campfire and we would do coal burning or uh, some kind of activity. We'd have the children have a chance to cook something over the fire if they wanted to. And we'd do different crafts and just hang out. And then sometimes parents would come by, the kids would go, "We can we stay? And then the parents would go through the festival and then come back and the kids are like, can we stay one more hour? The parents would do another lap and then they come back and at the end, they're just like, come on, we want to go. And the kids are like, no, I want to stay for one more hour. And we almost were like, it was almost comical because they didn't want, the kids didn't want to go because they were just having so much fun. And we were really laid back. We weren't, we weren't really selling anything. We were just wanting to be there and, and offer something that was different than face painting or whatever. And yeah, it's, but it is tiring at the end of the day, man, you're just exhausted. So it's definitely work. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Last year when we ran our vision quest, I was seven months pregnant. No, wait, I was almost eight months pregnant. Actually, it was mm -hmm. closer to the eight month mark. And yeah, it was amazing. Wow. I was, I couldn't believe I did it. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. But we did. And right now, yeah, it's just Jeff and I, as we're the core instructors. So we keep our programs manageable for what we can achieve together. Mm -hmm. But this year we're seeing like a a bigger expansion where we're probably going to have to find some helping hands 
for some of our bigger programs, but that's exciting. Sure. It's an exciting yeah. place to be. It's a good problem to have. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm curious what kind of experiences or what kind of results do you find that your participants share with you? What is it like for them to take one of your classes? And then what do you hear back afterwards? Have you had anybody talking about it? I think, well, Darius got more experience in it. I've just been with her doing the programs for the last two years. And something that stood out to me and mm-hmm. then learn, later learning the business stuff is referrals. So people referring yeah. people to her yes. just spoke lots of how people felt and the way they feel about her as a person. So that's yeah. really amazing to see and having people come back too. I think it's wow. it speaks a lot of kind of what we're trying to bring forward. But yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I would say some people just want to learn from us because of either the topics that we talk about. Not a lot of people teach about drinking spring water as a lifestyle among amongst everything, just like drinking or filtering water and survival situations. So I think people just want to learn that. And there's a lot of interest in the clean water world of education. Friction fire, people have like just a natural instinctual draw to learning that skill. And then Once people just show up to an event, get to know us, some people just want to do an event because they like who we are as people. And we've done that too with our mentors. It's just, wow, I love who you are, your embodiment. I want to work towards that. So I want to spend more time around you, right? We do that because we find inspiration. And the best way to learn from someone that inspires you is to show up so you can see them in real life, not just on a video or a podcast. You can see how they respond to conflict, how they navigate conversation, how they navigate time management in a group setting, all those tiny things. If you really want to pick that up, you need to surround yourself by the people mm-hmm. you want to become. But mostly the, the participants, their feedback, I would say, is honestly mostly around like mental, emotional, spiritual change. The skills are cool. Like people love that. But I think most of our feedback is around just the way that they feel like they're the feelings, they're the inner transformation that occurs while you're spending a lot of time outside, having true connection, like real talk. It's not just superficial talk. And then people, that's really what hits home to with people. And also I would say just the level of stimulation, just going down for a few days or if someone does a longer program, like that's what truly impacts their nervous system, their psyche, and then they go home. And that's really what I think lingers the longest. Like I said, the skills are cool. We love teaching them, but they're definitely just a gateway. They're a portal to these. Yeah. To these other teachings. I think we, we shift a lot of spiritual, emotional soul energy in people however who that sounds or however you take it on the other side of this recording. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the people we work with, just the container we make and Mm -hmm. the people we are and our past struggles and how we present ourselves today. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big piece for us is just the, how people feel when they're around us and when things come up, how they feel about themselves afterwards. It seems to be a big theme for our participants. 
a great example of Jeff and I's dynamic. And again, value kind of philosophy of our teachings is that we want to teach both hard skills and soft skills. So you'll get participants, some people, let's just say are more on the skill side and they don't want to sing. They feel awkward sharing gratitude. They might not be willing to speak true emotion if conflict arises. And then we have other people who are more on the spiritual side who don't want to help with the fire and grab firewood and clean up camp or something like that. And so we've seen that spectrum and Jeff and I, we prioritize and value both. It's same with running a business. It's yes, we do show up professionally and that's super important to be organized, to show up on time, to have good relationships and communication. And we can have fun and play games, be silly. So it's really expanding all of your skill set. So you're more adaptable to in different Mm -hmm. situations. Yeah, it takes a lot of work to develop that tool, that toolkit where you can go, oh, this feels like we should move into a soft skill storytelling thing or doing a nature walk or tracking or something. And then turn around and go, oh, okay, hey, maybe we need to do a skills challenge for something. Or And if you don't have that spectrum of, of activities and, and ideas, it can be really tough because then you're, oh, I only have one thing I do, which is fire making or something, which is still good, but it can be limiting. So it's just from you talking about all this and hearing what people are, are saying about your program, I know that you must create a really wonderful, safe place for them. Because it, it doesn't sound like you're getting people who are getting really defensive uh, in that. Maybe I'm wrong though. <laughs> Would you find, do you feel like sometimes people like push back against the, the soft skill stuff? Or are they pretty much okay? I think I'm so much of a meathead that <laughs> like, to, no, you see me and it's, you can tell that I just, I love physical stuff. I yeah. do MMA. I come off very brash. And, but when I, if I have a one-on-one conversation with someone, it's, I've been at, I've been so close to death. I've, I've had these super traumatic experiences in my childhood and my adult life. And I've been through the grinder and I've had my heart stomped on and I've felt pure ecstasy so the it breaks barriers for people to see oh this is just a big dumb meathead and then it's i can come one-on-one with someone and open my heart and they're all of a sudden they're like oh my gosh wow it's not just the cover there's an entire book here Mm -hmm. and then they're able to drop their guard open their heart and then i think that's what allows the more emotional spiritual opening for people right because they might think one thing and see one thing and then it's, oh, hey, and then you start talking and they're like, oh, wow, there's dimensions and there's layers to this. It's not just a, a superficial thing like Dario was saying earlier. It's, yeah, we can do the skills and we can do that. Or it's, we can really dig deep down. Do we want to release some trauma or do we want to, we can go hard in the skills or we could, we could sit here and talk about wild food for three hours, whatever you guys want to do, but we can take it to yeah. those extremes, I think. And that's where people... I think they're able to open up because they we're not hiding anything. It's just I'm gonna be. I'll tell you everything about me. I got no nothing to hide. So yeah, I value radical honesty, and that's a principle in my life. So I'll tell you about something that's terrible about me or something horrible that's happened to me, and that allows. And I think what we're all doing here in the wilderness skill is we're we're trying to teach humanity 
on a really base level and what better way to, Hey, I'm human too. I'm not just sure. your instructor on this event. I'm a human. I'm fallible. I've made mistakes. Yeah. 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 That vulnerability is really cool. Really key. I think one piece you, you said that stood out for me was when you said, you said from our reflection that it sounded like a safe space. And I think for me hearing that, I'm like, I'm not actually sure if I would say that. And the reason being, I think safety is very subjective. And one of Jeff and I's passions are rights, of, it's rights of passage work. Mm -hmm. yeah. And in that exploration, you could argue fire isn't safe having a fire with a group is not safe. And then when we work with like our more larger events, like our survival skills, or when we have people going out on solo experiences or fasting, there is an element where it's not a hundred percent safe, but you could argue the drive to our remote spot is more dangerous than sure. our time outside in nature. So I just wanted to add that in because yeah, I, I think for us, we actually thrive and we see people thriving when their sense of safety actually is uh, questionable. And then it, it it allows for growth, for questions yeah. to like, for people to work through things. Because, yeah, I think most people are actually, it's like an illusion of safety. It's I think it's almost like thing. emotional safety. You're yeah. safe in your being and your emotional yeah. and your soul level but we're all in a dangerous situation. So it almost yeah. lifts up your emotional sensitivity and that that aspect of us. So that's heightened as the danger and everything. It's like, okay, now we're really far away from things. And then you'll see, <laughs> that's where we see people. It's like the, oh yeah, I don't think I'm gonna last the night. I'm like, I'm really freaked out. <laughs> yeah, you, know? yeah. 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 you need well, to get the, need the hell out of here. <laughs> but at the same time, it's they could be, extremely afraid but then at the same time super comfortable with us yeah mm -hmm. it's you allow them to be vulnerable in your space that's what i was make, make thinking about mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. if they felt that you that if they felt like oh hey i don't think i'm gonna drink spring water every single day of my life and then you went oh that's horrible you were judging them then that would create an unsafe environment but for them to say hey i'm gonna put myself in your care we're gonna go out and learn these things and you're going to help us get where we need to go. And you're there. They wouldn't do that on their own. Most people won't do a vision quest on their own. Most people don't do a survival trek on their own. So knowing that you're there, that you're supporting them, that you're going to not keep them perfectly safe, but be able to, they trust you. You they have they obviously have trust in you in 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 multiple layers. And that's where they're going to be referring, having these powerful events transformation, everything. And then they're going to be talking about it with all their friends and referring you to other people, which is the best marketing there is. So it's really a credit to everything you're doing, all the work, all that hard work that you've done in your life and that both of you have done is paying off because you're now able to give back and people are really able to sink into that. That's really special. And I'll, I'll add the point too that Everything we just reflected doesn't mean that people are kicking down our door and we're filthy rich yet. Oh, we yeah, still yeah, have to put no. the work into the business and study sure. because we do have, I, I would say, an amazing product. And I don't want to humble brag there, but yeah, we're still doing amazing stuff. But that and we still have to do the work with the business and the marketing to bring that to people. Because even though that's happening, it's still not like 
we're throwing people out and it's we can't keep yeah. up. Yeah. And to be completely honest, like Jeff and I have not taken any salary at this point. Yeah. We've, we've actually never gotten paid for any event. All the money that's coming in right now is going directly back into the nonprofit to offer something better. Yeah. And to keep growing and growing. So we still have different streams of income on the side. And yeah, ideally in the next few years, we're hoping for that to shift. But we're really passionate. We, we're passionate and we love what we do. And part of that right now is just investing. So if someone comes to an event, all that money, of course, to, to run the event, it's going into just logistics of that, of planning. And then also it's just everything else is going back in so we can reach more people. We can grow. We can offer uh, yeah, that's really that's that's the story of my life for 35 years. So I'm 100 get it. Um, yeah, at the end of a summer camp or summer season, I'll be like, "Yay, we have money in the bank!" And then two months later, they're like, "We're like, oh no, money's gone." Uh oh. So I get it. And I would say that what the one thing that I was thinking a lot about recently is how the nature and wilderness experiences that people offer when you think of i always like to refer to it like pizza there's really cheap pizza that's probably really horrible that you get in a college town at three in the morning that's just delivered to you and it's halfway sideways in the box or whatever and then you have like pizza that's made that's maybe it's more like college town pizza that's really good and then you have you have these like layers of it and they each have different prices and then you have like brick oven pizza where the pizza is like $35 or something. And it has artichoke hearts and sun-dried tomato. And you, <laughs> you look at all that and you just go, hey, it's all still pizza. But sometimes it's the environment that's different. Or you're paying yeah. for the name or you get a certain flavor. And people the experience. Yeah. yeah. And, and I would say that in, the, in my mind, the wilderness skills movement, the wilderness transformation movement, whatever you want to call it, it is... It's really something that I would say does not really focus on the idea of how do we meet, reach that higher market. We don't have the brick oven pizza market. Like a lot of people are afraid. They then go, how do I make it affordable? How can I make it so that the woman at the co-op with three kids who's single, how could she afford one of the programs? But I look at it and just go, you get to choose like, where do you, where's your sweet spot? And a lot of people don't pick that higher market, I think, because they don't feel like they can guarantee results. Like, you have to, you've got to be on your A game, right? If you're doing brick oven pizza and the, you just have to make sure you're maintaining that, the quality of that experience. And yeah, so it's, it's interesting, right? Where do we, where do we all pick? Are we like more middle class? If there even is a middle class anymore, I don't know about Canada, but in the United States, it's gone. So it's like where, who can afford your program and what can you charge? And should you just give it away for free or whatever? It's tough. Yeah, I think that comes back to what we talked about earlier. And it's, I think, a, becoming a passion of ours is we struggle to find grass-fed beef around here, or at least a good, more like closer to home source. Like it's sourced from, let's say, 100 kilometers away and comes into the city. But if we're rich and we're doing well and we could be the people who own that land, then now we can have breasted beef and we can give it to other people. And I think it's with the this what you were just saying to echo that it's, you know, if you were, if your skills business is just exploding and you can cater to the person from the city who wants to spend 
and I'm going to spend $15,000 for this weekend and it's just me and go for that by all means, please. Because what that's going to be able to do, I, I'm a wholehearted agree with you. I would love for us to be able to post these very exclusive things that pay all our bills for the year. And then we have eight months out of the year to go and get the co-op mom. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's of course what we want to sure. do. We want to oh, yeah. have so much money that we can work for free and it's don't even worry about it. Yeah. It's a yeah. free week. Bring your kids. Kids are free. Yeah. That's the dream. But if, if you're not trying to attain that level of wealth in the business part of it, how are you ever going to be able to give back for free and sustain right. yourself? And then not only yourself, maybe it's a couple of people you work under and that could be the co-op mom, you know? Yeah. So if you're making great money, then you're able to help more people. And I think that's, we both came from that mindset of money, icky, like we're, we're being gross and sleazy. Like we don't want to be filthy rich. And that's yeah. like a big thing in the alternative scene of, let's say health, wellness, nature, skills, spirituality. It's everyone's, Oh, I don't want to be the, the really rich guy driving the Ferrari. Sure. So if you were, you could sure help a lot more people though. Yeah. I don't think I, we're not in danger of having like a, too many wilderness skills billionaires you know what i mean like i don't yeah, yeah exactly like our Ferrari is like buckskin outfits can we pay someone to just make us like a custom fit where's yeah. the armani buckskin tailor yeah yeah exactly and that's true is yeah, yeah I, you know what's interesting and i'll just i'll just mention this and that i worked with a business coach and she was talking about how she was working with this man who was really into training he was like a trainer physical trainer and she just said, we just talked a lot for, I don't know, a couple hours. And then she realized this young man has actually traveled to Kilimanjaro and climbed Kilimanjaro. He's climbed some of the high peaks in Everest K2. He's gone to Denali. He's gone to a places and done this really amazing trainings. She basically was like, why don't you set up a training for people? Like people pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to go climb Everest. And basically, he just has a website that just says, hey, you can come to my place in Montana and fly here, and it's $50,000, and I will train you for 20 days, everything you need to know so that you'll have a successful climb. And if you want me to come to you, she said his first client was somebody from Brazil in the jungle and blew him down there and paid him $250,000 to train him for a month and, and train him and his, and his family. He had a couple of kids. And and I'm just going, she was just like, yeah. So all of a sudden this guy's bills are paid for the next year and he's got people coming because they want to be successful and they have the money. The money's not the issue. They don't have that training and they want that. Yeah. So it's it's definitely doable to, be, to create a, different types of models, I think. But I'm not saying that, oh, we should have a thousand people doing that, but it, it's interesting that it doesn't seem like there's that many people that really will cater to that degree. Yeah. And I think finding something that doesn't feel like work. And again, yeah. that it's like, we believe in what we do. That's where our motivation comes from. We want to be successful so we can be of greater service. This, yes. this is our why. Our why isn't let's be billionaires. That's our why is we want to be financially stable because it's not fun when you're pinching <laughs> month by month and okay, we want to keep expanding, but ooh, can't do it, can't go too fast or yeah. so. Yeah, if you become Jeff Bezos on the way, you're not going to be angry at it. But <laughs> yes, I like yeah. that idea. Like you get that wilderness skills, Jeff Bezos. Guess what's going to happen? There's going to be a competition, and then you're going to have someone else, 
And then I'm not going to be mad if life straws go down to $2 because there's a free market, crazy competition. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's a testament to the business stuff, right? It's yeah. Why, where is our, our Jeff Bezos? Where is our billionaire person? Because that person is however much the people at the bottom, we might hate them. He's going to be the guy who uplifts the whole industry. Yeah. Everybody that's a billionaire right now, probably at some point started somewhat smaller, maybe not totally small, but I think a lot of people, it's interesting because like the outdoor, like Patagonia is a company that's doing a lot of like work. REI, I know gives back a lot and works with making, you know, equitable, getting people outdoors. A lot of outdoor companies that sell gear they know that their business model exists because people are getting outside. That's where I feel like we could make inroads as well. Since you're a nonprofit, you might be able to apply for a grant from, I don't know if you have a Canadian version of REI or something like that. Or, But yeah, mm-hmm. that would be something that I'm looking and saying, ultimately, you got to find a way to, it's all about our network too. It's like building that network of people working at that, whether you have your business coach or looking at other educators and seeing. So this is all what the podcast that I'm trying to do is let people get to know each other and hear your stories and tie it in. And and I could see like wellness being a big key. Like seven so people coming to your place and going, hey, we're going to really help you get a whole reset, do your thing. And maybe they would pay $10,000 to come to your place for a month and ha- get eat really good food and stay in a really beautiful place. And have the experiences and help them heal, heal their organs or whatever, get what they need. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's so many ways it could go, but ultimately <laughs> you still have to chop wood and carry water. And Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Tell me a little bit about how to help people find you because you seem like you have some great things. And I also know your little one probably is going to wake up soon if they're not being taken care of already by someone. Yeah, so you can find us on our website, which is findingpolaris.org. And then we're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok at findingpolariswc for, again, wilderness community. Yeah. Um, our website, if you're looking to just get to know our vibe, see who we are as people, check us out on social media. If you want to look at our offerings and like really get the details of our work, I would say go to the website. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, I think I've, I found um, your organization or your everything you're doing on Instagram. And it's really nice seeing what you do. So it was nice getting to know you that way too. I just wish you guys the best of everything. I, I, I wish now that I had... I had that I had the funding to just travel and meet everybody that I'm interviewing because <laughs> I'm doing such incredible work. And... I really admire you for doing that. I know it's, I know how hard it is to keep that going, but I, I just know that it, it must, uh, it feels good to know that you're out there changing lives and making a difference. Mm-hmm. And one of my health mentors said people, he runs an institute teaching health, physical education, rehab and healthy lifestyle. And he said, there's no shortage of clients out there. Just go to Walmart and look around. And you'll have endless work. And I think, like you're saying, we you probably we need more people and just everywhere. So it doesn't matter where you are, you're gonna have an impact. And there's enough for every everybody. Sure. And there's so much to teach and, and so many people to get into this world. 
Yeah, we don't feel like we're competing against other wilderness no, schools. If no, any, no, there's no. just not enough. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, we're like, we need more people. Whatever it is that you're passionate, what capacity you can hold, what you're comfortable in teaching, and just start there. Yeah. If, if you have the, the drive for it. Some people, I know, I remember talking to a group of people who were educators, and they were saying, I said, oh yeah, we need like thousands of more educators. And they were like, what? That's crazy. I'm, I can barely make it right now. Why would we get more people? That would be more competition mm. for me. And I just said, well, we, they were living in California and they were saying, I said, why do you say that there's too many as it is? And he goes, well, there's already seven people doing work with kids in this area. And I just went, let's look in the phone. I looked on the phone and I said, how many kids are in the Petaluma school district in California? And I said, oh, it looks like you have about 17,000 children in, I don't know, five square, 10 square miles. And I just go, I think you're pretty good. I think you have, you're not even touching the market. All seven of you are only having maybe 500 kids combined impact, which still leaves 16,500 students that are potential customers for you. And that's just in Petaluma. If you go to Santa Rosa, if you go 20 minutes in any direction, you got a whole nother market. So I just said, I said, you're complaining that there's not enough when you're, there's literally Buffalo, heard of Buffalo here, here, everywhere you go. And there's a river of the freeway is a river of like salmon coming down and you just, you're just not reaching them yet. You don't quite know how to do that. And he, yeah, you know, he yeah. it was powerful because you have that market in Sudbury and man, that's, there's a lot of people there that are, that could really use your help. And also Kai from Lure of the North, which is how we found out about you. Yeah. Th yeah. They're not far from us. And if someone comes to us and they'd be better fitted for one of their programs, sure, we'd pass them along for us. It's, it's rising tide raises yeah. all ships. Yeah. 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 I'm a firm believer in that. That's really why I think more, the more we're networked together with everything, the better it is for everybody. Mm -hmm. The best of luck to all of you. I hope you have a really great rest of the winter. Hopefully you'll get some snow for a little bit. I really appreciate your time and everything. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. you, Ricardo. Thanks for listening to today's episode and for all the things that you do to help build a world that is connected to nature. You can get access to the bonus episodes, my forest educator nature journals and curriculum, as well as other useful content by subscribing to my Patreon page where you can support us at any level. You can find the link in the show notes for that and my website and social media as well. And I will see you outside.